Hi, this is Chris from N3 Architects, and thank you for tuning in to the Home Design Academy podcast. I'm a licensed architect, and I'm here to help your average homeowner understand the complexities of design and construction so that they can make better decisions when they build or remodel their house. And now on to the show. Hello, welcome to the Home Design Academy podcast. This is the introductory episode, and I think I would start um, by giving some background information on who I am and what my experience is. I am a licensed architect. I'm located in Massachusetts, and I've got more than 20 years of experience. I've worked on all sorts of project types from single-family houses, multifamily, senior housing, fire stations, historic preservations, some collegiate work, schools, office buildings. I've done a little bit of everything. I've taught design studios, and I've also taught construction management classes at several local colleges. I'm married, and I have three children, and I'm always trying to do as many adventures with the family as I possibly can. When it comes to design, I've got absolutely no ego. I only want what's best for my clients, and I have no interest in working with people who try to cut corners or build in the cheapest way possible. Usually I have about 10 projects going on at my house at any given time, which definitely frustrates my wife, but she loves it anyways. I have a passion for lawn care, and I am always trying to make my yard look as nice as possible, just as others may have a passion for rose gardens or vegetable gardens. I think watching HGTV is problematic for most people. It sets unrealistic expectations on time and budget, and there's too much of a focus on the finished materials. Let's change the conversation to building better homes and buildings. So I want to get into some of the goals I have with this podcast. Most podcasts about architecture are directed towards the architect, and they're written and recorded for either a young architect starting out or an architect trying to start their own business, While most podcasts about architecture focus on the architect, I'm going to take a little different spin on this podcast. I'm going to focus on the average homeowner. And I'm not talking about homeowners that build multi-million dollar houses. I'm talking about your average homeowner with your average budget. Now, I hope other architects and contractors listen to this podcast and gain some value as well. But I'm not really going to be talking to you. I'm going to be talking to your average homeowner. So why am I creating this podcast? I just see too much bad design and outdated construction practices in your residential market. Too many DIYers build things incorrectly. Too many home builders build the same way that they did 20 years ago and don't incorporate advancements in building science and envelope technology. There's too many unlicensed designers drawing up floor plans and too many people who love to take the cheapest way possible and hire these designers to draw up their floor plans. That statement alone, designer, I'm going to designer that's drawing up my floor plan. That is just, that's, is that really what you want? So anyways, my big issue with people who try to take the cheapest way out is your house is, for most people, it's your your biggest investment. 
And why would you want to not invest in doing things correctly? It just blows my mind. I still can't understand it. Now, your average homeowner with your average budget usually works with a home builder or an unlicensed drafter or they buy stock house plans. And this is not always the best way to go about your project. We live in a world of rapidly changing building codes. When I first started out 20 years ago, the building codes were updated not very often. And now new new model building codes are put out every year and adopted by each state every few years. There's an, a huge advancement in the building sciences. New materials that get installed in new ways. A focus on air quality, preventing mold and high performance envelopes. There's a need for someone who's educated in these topics. Let's be honest, your average home builder is not. And that's not a knock on your average home builder because they try to do, most of them try to do the best job as possible. But if they're not trained or if they're not paying attention to to your changes in construction materials and methods, well, they're just going to be left behind. And building the same way you did 20 years ago just doesn't fly today. And I also think that architects need to be more involved with helping out your average homeowner for far too long. Architects have disregarded people building your average house, and I just want to change that. I hope the stories that I share on this podcast will help you make better decisions, whether you're a homeowner or whether you're an architect or whether you're a contractor. I also want to help the homeowner understand the benefits of sustainable, energy-efficient, high-performance construction. Let's spend your money on making your house better and last longer rather than spending your money on fancy materials. So now we're going to get into a segment called Stories from the Job Site. In stories from the job site, in this segment, I'm going to be talking about things that I've seen, things that have happened to me or to people that I know that are unusual or things that have gone wrong. And I just want to share these because learning from mistakes is so much better. So for today, we're going to be talking about stapling of underlayment. First off, let's talk about what underlayment is. Everyone knows what your framing is. In your average house, you have wood floor joists, usually at 16 inches on center. On top of that is a thicker layer of plywood, usually three quarters of an inch thick, called subfloor. Now your subfloor adds strength, it adds horizontal rigidity, and it ties all of your framing together. But you don't want to install your finished flooring over your subfloor. So you put a second layer, a thinner layer of plywood over it, and that's called your underlayment. If you're working on a public project or a multifamily housing project or even in your own house, it's a good idea to change the thickness of your underlayment based upon the thickness of your finished flooring so that everything lines up. Now, since your underlayment isn't structural and since your underlayment is usually a thinner piece of plywood, 
a lot of contractors like to staple the underlayment. Using staples is a quote-unquote acceptable installation method, meaning that the manufacturers of the underlayment and the manufacturers of the finished flooring will allow for that underlayment to be stapled. But I don't like it. I have seen too many projects where even if the staples are installed at six inches on center, where after a few months or a few years, the staples become loose and they start popping up. And now you have big problems because if you have a thinner piece of of finished flooring, such as a laminate floor or a, or a sheet vinyl floor, then you start to see those staples through the flooring. With carpet, it's not really that big of a deal. But I always like to have my underlayment screwed. Now, I get pushback from every single contractor on every single project saying, you don't need to screw down your underlayment. You just have to staple it. Again, I'm not interested in cutting corners. When I call for my underlayment to be screwed, it's because I've seen time and time again where these staples become loose. So what you can take from this is always screw down your underlayment. If you see your contractor stapling your underlayment, then ask them to to screw it down. They may want to charge you a little bit more, but it's a far better product. And paying a little bit more now will be so much better in the long run. Because if you staple your underlayment down and then in two years all those staples are working their way loose and are telegraphing themselves through the finished flooring, well then you're going to have to pay money to rip out the floor, re-secure the underlayment, and put down a new floor. So time and money, do it right the first time. Now we're going to move on to a segment called Ask Chris. In this segment, I invite you to send in your questions. Any questions you have about construction, questions you have about contracts or design or materials or methods. Since this is the first episode of the Home Design Academy, I've polled some friends and family members on what they would like to have answered. So I've got a few lined up. We're going to go over the first one today. So the first question talks about payment of contractors. Now, I've seen time and time again homeowners paying too much money up front and then the contractor either not finishing the job or not coming back to correct work or just skipping town entirely and leaving the homeowner out to dry. So this question comes from a good friend, and he says, Hey, Chris, my contractor wants 50% of his fee paid up front, and then another 25% of the bill paid once framing is complete. He says that he needs this money to purchase materials and pay the workers. Is it okay for me to pay the bills? Well, here's my thought on that. I think that 75% of his fee when framing is only complete is way too much. Yes, materials need to be purchased. Yes, workers and subcontractors need to be paid. Any substantial or any experienced general contractor or home builder should have the ability to pay his subs without having to ask you to pay your entire bill up front. 
I would only recommend paying a deposit up front and then paying just what's needed for work completed on that phase. So you pay your deposit up front to buy materials. Then you pay for their foundations. Then you pay for framing, so on and so forth. But more importantly is in your contract and before work starts, you need to have a conversation with your contractor and have it written down and signed exactly what the payment methods will be and when the payments should be expected. By doing this up front, you're both on the same page and you both know what to expect. And there should not be any issues. Never, never pay in full until the work is completed and inspected by the building inspector. I repeat, never pay in full until the work is completed. up this episode of the home design academy podcast i hope you've enjoyed yourself and learned something along the way make sure to like subscribe and leave a review if you'd like to have your question answered on the ask an architect segment please send an email to hda.n3architect at gmail.com that's hda.n3architect at gmail.com Visit n3architecture.com for all the show notes and other useful information. Tune into the next episode. Thank you and goodbye.